Oh, yeah. This is the Universal Wrestling Podcast. Inside the ring. Outside the ring. It's all here. We're talking about the greatest sport of all, professional wrestling. Now, here's your host, the cream of the crop, Nick Dieterding. Come on. Welcome back to the Universal Wrestling Podcast. Before we get to the interview with Jimmy Smith, Chris, I want you, or shit. Chris. No, let's keep that in. Yeah. <laughs> let's keep that in. <laughs> Chris, you wanted to give out a message to the supporters, to the donations, to this amazing 10-week uh, fundraiser. So it's all yours. The floor is yours. Let's hear it, brother. Yeah, you know, it's uh, our our fundraiser ended for the Leukemia Lymphoma Society on May 22nd. Um, for those of you that don't remember that, listen to the podcasts uh, often. Essentially, like uh, I was on a team um, in this competition for Visionary of the Year in uh, Los Angeles for my friend Richie. Um, these podcasts really help bring awareness. Um, and our team over 10 weeks raised um, $194,000. Um, winning the competition, but more importantly, giving uh, a lot of money to very important research. So if you listened, if you donated, if you shared um, a link to it, just thank you for doing it. Uh, it's really meaningful and like the support of the wrestling community has been great. Also, um, our auction item for AEW next week at the uh, forum in Los Angeles with the meet and greet with you know, Jericho, uh adam cole justin roberts um the young butts really successful um to the point where we had to do a second one and i would just like to you know thank everyone at aw um amanda uh, luke harper's uh wife um even tony khan like i've been you know a little annoyed at tony khan here and there because he makes fun of wwe writers but um you know a lot of credit to him uh, running an organization that's willing to, you know, help charities out as well as like, you know, how progressive the, you know, AEW is like, um, from, you know, there was an article this week in ABC news about all they're doing for mental health for wrestlers. Um, you know, Nyla Rose, like putting the title on her, just a, a very progressive company and a very good company. And, you know, um, Thank you to Tony and everyone at AEW for being so great. And also, before I forget, Sanjay Dutt also you know, played a role in like getting the this auction I'm in. So thank you there. And and Nick, thank you. Like this is your podcast, and I talked a lot on it. So like, uh, and if I talked over you, I apologize. But uh, you know, you're the man, and thank you for letting me do this. Yeah, absolutely. All for a good cause, brother. Cool. Let's get to the interview. Here it is with Jimmy Smith. Jimmy, how are you, sir? You you got all three of my jobs. Those there you go. Twitter, all Twitter three of my jobs. I'm a busy man working six days a week. Yep. Yeah. Cool. Well, again, thank you for coming on. I do appreciate it. Let's get into it. Sure. Did you always have a passion for the sport of professional wrestling? I did when I was a kid. Yeah. I was a fanatic. Uh, when I was a kid, I grew up in the 80s. I don't even have to explain it, right? I go exactly. from, I mean... Rick Flair, the Von Erics, uh, UWF, uh, WWE. I watched NWA, AWA. I watched everything. I was, yeah. I was a fanatic. Um, I saw some of the all time greats come up and, and, and do great things. 
Um, and what, what people have trouble, some modern fans have trouble understanding is when I was a kid, wrestling was a kid's thing. It was, you're supposed to watch it till you're about 12, 13 years old. And yeah. then you, you kind of, there, there were two levels of, of people watching when I was a kid. You were either a kid like I was in the eighties, or it was, they were older and remembered like gorgeous George and Bruno San Martino and all this. So it was like, there were like two levels. It didn't yet appeal to 20 somethings college age, you know, the attitude era that that didn't happen yet. And so I was a huge fan until I was about, you know, 13 years old, getting into high school. And then I took a break until last year when I got hired by the WWE. Nice. So there was like, I had a ton of knowledge till I was about 12. And then there was a huge gap in my experience with WWE when I got out of it, really wasn't paying attention to it. And then uh, back in last year, man, when I got yeah. hired by, by Monday Night Raw. That's great. Uh, you said you've been busy. You have, you know, those, you know, Monday Night Raw and those two shows on uh, Sirius XM. So let me hear, what's a day in the life of Jimmy Smith or a day in the life of, you know, a WWE commentator? The two separate things. So yeah. on a day I don't do Raw or I'm not traveling for Raw, uh, get up, do kid stuff, <laughs> train jujitsu in the afternoon from about 11 to 12. Then I do my production call at 1230 for my radio show. I audio test at like one o'clock and one and one thirty. Uh, my show is on from two to five. Yep. Get off, do more dad stuff and then go to bed. Well, then if I don't have to watch wrestling, if I, you know, either I watch NXT SmackDown or, you know, and yeah. then I go to bed. That is literally my life. 100%. And then nice. on my travel day Sunday, so Sunday I fly to wherever I need to go for Monday Night Raw. Yeah. Um, and then spend the night wherever we have to go, get up, clean up, dress up, get all my stuff together, uh, get to the venue where the, where the show is for my production meeting. Production meeting happens. I have all day from production meeting to the start of the show to go over my notes and make yeah. my notes and blah, 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 and, and do everything I need to do to prepare. Show happens. Show ends at 11 p.m. Eastern. Uh, get back to the hotel. Hopefully I'm in bed by midnight. <laughs> plane is usually at 6, 7 in the morning, so I get maybe three or four hours of sleep. Nice. Get to the plane, fly home, repeat. And then that other stuff happens where I do my production call and blah, yeah. blah, 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 and do my radio show. And then That's Wednesday crazy. nights, I work for ESPN for UFC oh, Fight yes. Camp for ESPN International. So yes. Wednesday is I work in the morning. No, no, no. I work out in the morning. I do my radio show uh, two to five, do kid stuff, eat, come back into this room for UFC Fight Camp, which shoots about 7.30 at night from right here and uh, from my office. And, and, so maybe like nine thirty, and then I go to bed. Yeah, that's, that's a life. lot. It's a lot, but you love it, right? I mean, it's just yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's better to be busy. That's what I say. Better busy yeah. than bored. I'm telling you exactly. right now. So it's it's a lot. You know, it's it's I work or travel six days a week. Saturday yeah. is the only way, only day I don't travel or work. Saturday, okay. and even then, obviously, you know, I still have to do stuff. So <laughs> uh, that that's pretty much my life. You know, yeah. three sixty five. Yeah, that's crazy. Uh, let's get back to the WWE product. It seems like we're seeing a lot of transitions from MMA stars into WWE, not WWE, but all, all yes. around AEW, yeah. Impact. I mean, I was just at a New Japan Pro Wrestling uh, event in Philly at the old ECW arena, and yeah. Tom Lawler tore down the house. I mean, 
what do you think with the transition? Is it easy or why do they, why do we see more of it? Well, one thing is, is that as, as I, I personally, from what I've seen from pro wrestling, um, I'd rather do pro wrestling than go through a fight camp for six weeks and, and get ready for a fight. It's brutal. Yeah. It's brutal. Now pro wrestling can be brutal as well. Obviously it's, 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 it's difficult, but if you've ever gone through an eight week fight camp <laughs> and your, your bones are killing you every single day, you understand why they would want to do it. Um, there's a little more longevity in it. You know, you, you can do it a lot later than you can in MMA where you're probably done in your mid thirties, depending on the weight class and, and, and a bunch of other factors, but you know, 36 year old fighters ain't no spring chicken, right? You yeah. know, it's, it's what, but, but you know, Randy Orton's what 44, you know, in MMA, he's not competing at the elite level <laughs> yeah. at 44, unless he's, yeah. you know, once again, Randy Couture or some outlier or something. So there's longevity. There is it, 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 what it requires of you is very different than MMA. And so you might have, you know, Riddle, Matt Riddle was, was he's at the top of the WWE. He was yeah. never at the top of MMA. He was, you know, he's competitive for sure, but he was never a contender, let alone a champion. And so what it requires from you to have success, a guy like Tom Lawler, uh, did I call it Tom Lawler fan? I probably have at some point, <laughs> you know, knowing me, I probably have at some point, but yeah, never, never an amazing mixed martial artist. But as you said, tore the house down at pro wrestling yeah. show, what you have might be better suited for, yeah, you know, professional wrestling than it is uh, MMA. So I, you definitely see why the transition is being made. And yeah. it's a lot of fun. Sticking with the MMA realm. I got a fan question. I don't know too much about MMA, but my buddy said, please ask Jimmy. Well, yes, please <laughs> ask Jimmy Smith. Can you give us some insight into the rivalry between team punishment and the lion's den? Let's oh hear my it. God. I was there. Yeah. I was at team punishment when that That's happened. That's what he said. Yeah. Well, it started way back with um, Guy Metzger versus Tito Ortiz. Uh, Tito Ortiz beats Guy Metzger. Uh, I'm sorry. Guy Metzger beats Tito Ortiz with a guillotine the first time they fought, but Tito was winning the fight. Tino was putting it on. Guy Metzger fell for a guillotine and uh, got choked out. Tito not happy. Well, <laughs> Guy Metzger said, them, said some things afterward about how Tito wasn't ready for him, stuff like that. Tito didn't take it very well. They have a rematch. Tito beats Guy Metzger, who just ran out of gas and just got crushed by Tito. Tito puts on a shirt that says, Gay Metzger is my bitch. Didn't say Guy Metzger. Gay yeah. Metzger is my bitch. That's what he put on. That infuriated Ken Shamrock, who jumped on the, the, uh, the, the, the octagon and was going at Tito. They had to be physically separated. That was kind of the start because uh, Tito got his start in MMA beating a guy named Jerry Bolander, who was part of the Lions Den. Then he bit, then he beat Guy Metzger in the rematch. And that kind of, that was Tito Ortiz's rise into stardom was beating up the lion's den. Yeah. And Ken didn't appreciate it too much. And so obviously Ken Shamrock took on Tito. Tito beat the dog piss out of Ken Shamrock three times. <laughs> and so that was kind of the start of it was, was Tito going after lion's den and making a name off the lion's den. And the lion's den didn't take it well. And he didn't take it well. And that's how it went. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. My buddy wanted me to ask. I have no clue what you said. Please, I can, I can, <laughs> any, any questions you have at MMA, I'm all over it, man. Nice, nice. Um, what is some, uh, what's the best advice you've gotten so far in your WWE career? Wow. That, that is, um, 
persistence and perseverance and understanding it takes a long time to learn. Yeah. That is something that's been drilled into my Michael Cole, by the way, has really been exceptional as as a person mentoring me and, and telling me how it goes. That's one thing he always tells me is perseverance because this isn't like anything else. Yeah. All the all the number one, I hadn't done really play by play before. It's my first play by play gig was, you know, Monday night raw in front of two million people a week. Of course. But he said it takes a long time to get how this business works. Yeah. Nothing you did in combat sports. I've done boxing. I've done MMA. I've done kickboxing. I've done rest. I've done everything. And, yeah. and two people hurting each other. I've called it. it none of that is really like the, like pro wrestling or like the WWE because yeah. you can do pro wrestling and then do the WWE and go, what the hell is going on here? It's totally different. So that idea of Jimmy, it takes a lot. I've been there a year. My year anniversary, what day is it? My year anniversary in Raw is uh, in 30th, in, right? Well, yeah, like five days, okay? Yeah. 31st was my first match on Raw. I've been doing it a year, and I'm just feeling now like, okay, I get what's happened. Like, I, I'm not mastered it, but like, all right, yeah. I'm getting what's going on. When, and the verbiage and the language and, and how everything works. I had to learn this all at one time. Yeah. And the patience with myself as a broadcaster to yeah. go, it's cool. You'll get it. Mm -hmm. Take a breath. Don't be hard on yourself about it. Yeah. Because yeah. it wasn't easy. Yeah. No, it just comes with the job. You just got to keep doing it repetitive. You know, that's just with everything. Yeah. Yeah. But there's this idea that, that, that whatever you did previously doesn't really prepare you. Like it's just yeah. not. No, the same. It's not, you know, they don't speak the same language. It's, no. it's, it's a very different world and yeah. having to just accept like, dude, it's just going to be a while. And Corey Graves has been great with that too. He tells me all the time. He's like, yeah, no, it's, it's, you gotta be in this for a lot of years to even understand yeah, how it's supposed to work. Yeah. Yeah. I know Tom Phillips on, it had an interview. I don't know if you uh, yes. worked with Tom Phillips before. I don't know if he left before or after, but, uh, He's now with impact. And he said, it's yeah. just a different world. Like you said, I mean, you can have all this knowledge, but as a WWE commentator, it's going to be different than AEW impact. So that's crazy. It really yeah. is. And I didn't have any in pro wrestling. Yeah. Like, like, I, I, yeah. like not, <laughs> I didn't even have impact or, you know, yeah. I remember the first you know meeting I had in the WWE, they're throwing around terms and I don't know what they're talking about. Yeah. I don't speak. Kayfabe. I, I didn't, yeah. you know, I didn't know. I had heard certain, you know, I knew certain things. I'd grown up as a wrestling fan, you know, faces yeah. and heels and all that stuff. But like, then I had to like, what the hell? Yeah. You know, and I figured it out. Now I understand all of it, but it's, they, the best thing, Adnan Verk, the guy I, I replaced oh, on yes. Monday Night Raw said, and it's a great analogy. You go, it's, it's a train going 110 miles an hour and they'll slow down for anybody. <laughs> and I went, yeah, no, it's yeah. catch up, dude. Catch up yeah. and grab on and hold on because they're not slowing it down. Yeah. And that mentally getting there was, was was a huge lesson for me. Yeah. And three hours too. I mean, that's insane to just, you know, constant 100 miles per hour for three hours nonstop. Yeah. But UFC six. Six. Oh. And okay. people, yeah, people don't get Damn. like, and yeah. they said that to me too. They were like, it's a long show. I was like, no, it's not. Yeah. I go, UFC, yeah. remember prelims, da, 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 stuff you're not watching. Yes. Like, you might tune into the, the pay-per-view or the main yeah. card. Dude, that's three hours in, guys. Yeah. That's two or three hours in. So yeah. five, six hours of, of MMA, I've, I've done a five or six-hour show yeah, so many times. Yeah. So three hours to everybody else is like, yeah. oh, my God. To me, is like I do that literally 
on yeah. radio every day by oh, myself. Yeah. So exactly. yeah, it's the, the length doesn't bug me like it bugs everybody else. I don't know anything different. Yeah. I'm used to long shows. Yeah. Yeah. I think for the fans, we would rather it to be <laughs> two hours, but Hey, we're getting into it. Let's not yeah. talk about that. But yeah, I mean, ESPN, I think it's, it's the prelims start at eight o'clock and then the main event doesn't go on until 12. Right. So it's a long day, long day, bro. Yeah. It's a long yeah. day. So yeah. uh, WB by comparison, the show to me, isn't that long. I'm just yeah. used to longer shows. So it's a piece of cake, you would say. Piece of cake, dude. Yeah, dirt sheets. Jimmy says, piece of cake, Monday Night Raw. Piece of cake, bro. (laughs) Easy three hours, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Some of your favorite moments and calls. I mean, maybe as a commentator and then as a fan, but I would love to hear your favorite moments uh, as a commentator and then, you know, some of your favorite calls. WrestleMania was next level amazing. I, I mean, when I did that, because I intro the second day, I don't know how much you saw there, but like the second day I had the first fight. So first match. So I said, welcome to WrestleMania 18, oh, yeah. whatever I said, 15 seconds, you know, AT&T stadium, welcome to WrestleMania. And we did the on-camera, Corey Graves, Byron Saxon, Jimmy Smith, blah, 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 we talked about whatever was happening. And we go to the, the walk-in where there was music and pyro. So I, I shut up. And as soon as I shut up, I went, you just intro wrestlemania yeah you just said welcome deal. to wrestlemania i'm jimmy smith byron saxman my little brother is is a year younger than me we're like irish twins right he's like 15 years 15 months younger than me and we were huge wrestling fans as kids we were just like we sit there and we, we watch wrestlemania one we watch yeah. wrestlemania two we watch wrestlemania three right you know so what? to yeah to sit there and go <laughs> my brother just texted me he's like dude you just called wrestlemania bro like 10 year old that's it yep you and nine-year-old me sat there and watched ricky steamboat and macho man savage and here you are like that was a huge moment for me yeah match wise i thought bianca belair and becky lynch had a classic i thought they had an amazing match i thought the not only the match but the intro of cody rhodes was oh yeah and the place went nuts and cody played it so well where it was appreciative but still had that humility and then seth rollins was like dancing around and, and eating all that up like like yeah. a, like a uh like a like a parasite leeching all that and like they played it so well that's what makes it amazing is yeah. is what they put into it the moments yeah yeah and i thought they had uh amazing matches but yeah, yeah. those those are some moments that were incredible in my fandom as a kid yeah let's hear it I saw Kerry Von Erich beat Ric Flair for okay. the title after the death of his brother in 1984. Yeah. I was like six years old, you know, yeah. and that was like, I'll remember that forever. Um, that was amazing. As I said, uh, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat versus Macho Man Savage, WrestleMania three, incredible. I saw Steamboat Flair, their series in, in, in what we would call what I would have called them the NWA, but whatever. Um, yeah. I think it was WCW at that point. Um, those moments were unreal. I saw all of it. I saw all of it. And 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 those moments were 100% incredible, man. I loved yeah. I loved them to death. Bruiser Brody scared the crap out of me when I was a kid. I used to love <laughs> watching Bruiser Brody. I thought he was the most terrifying thing I'd ever seen in my life. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, those things will, will stick with me forever. Yeah. yeah. And what about uh, favorite call as a fan? Do you have one? Uh, watching as a fan or, yeah. or 
Yeah. Oh my God. Um, that's wow. a tough I'll, one. There's so many. That's a tough. I saw so yeah. many great ones. I'll, I'll never forget the buildup and the body slam WrestleMania three under the giant. Of course. Ab- absolutely huge. Yeah. Um, I remember it was before my, I probably saw, I saw it after I'm not that old. Um, yeah. but I did. I remember the first time Superfly Snooker went off the cage, uh, over magnificent Don Morocco. The yep. call of that was insane, was absolutely incredible. And um, I'm trying to remember some other big ones that that did the, those are the, those are the biggies for me. My favorite alter, my favorite performer of all time, Mr. Perfect, Kurt Henning, was my favorite performer. Of, I love Mr. Perfect. And what's so funny now, talking to old timers, they go, Mr. Perfect was it. You know what yeah. I mean? Like as a kid, I was like, man, this guy's great. Well, as I've gotten older and you know gone back and looked at his matches. He's still great. It wasn't just kid me like other exactly. wrestlers like Mr. Perfect is like top five all time worker ever. So yeah. amazing stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I got to go with uh, Daniel Bryan, Brian Danielson, WrestleMania 30 call with a miracle on Bourbon Street. Huge. Huge bumps. I'm a big DB fan or yeah. Brian Daniel, whatever. <laughs> oh, um, we're almost done here. Let's just uh, throw in a random question, please. Johnny Depp trial. Have you been following and what the hell's happening? <laughs> it's like right out of the WWE. Am I right? I, I like, I'm, I'm catching like what is big news. Like I, yeah. once again, I work six days a week, so I don't like, like Oh, do you watch this TV series? No, no. I, I like, I, I do what I need to do for work. I take care of my children and I go to bed and I do jujitsu. Right. So I don't have a lot of time. So the things that I catch are things that are so big. They've become pop culture. Like it's all over social media. I read something really interesting from somebody who had been in an abusive relationship and they said, be careful on both sides. Abusers are manipulators. Abusers are people who abuse manipulate. And so I take kind of everything with a grain of salt. You know, I'm like, oh, I don't, you know, it, this idea that there's abuse, probably some, at least some level of abuse on both sides that spinning the narrative in the way that makes you look great. You know, yeah. the incompetence of the attorneys, by the way, is one of the things that I find hilarious yeah. from my perspective. But I like the idea that it's shining light on abuse from both sides. Right. That that men can be in abusive relationships with people who are crazy, how society um responds to abuse on both sides how it's perceived on both sides i find absolutely fascinating um and the idea that people live in in having i i didn't grow up with my parents abusing one another i've never been in an abusive relationship i've never i don't do anything like that never put hands on a woman in my life um what people will consider normal and adapt to and and i don't know talk themselves into believing is like oh this is normal i'm gone i'm gone like 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 yeah i understand that cycle of abuse that you kind of get trapped in or whatever you know women talk about you know like you, you you're stuck in it and you don't see a way out you realize as someone who's never been in anything like that how fortunate you are how are like man one of those things and i'm out of here you know, like, Jesus Christ, like I had a, a talk with a friend of mine one time this is years ago, and she said she was like, yeah, you know, my boyfriend and I got in an argument and, you know, I, I threw a threw something at him or something. 
and he she goes you know and i go no i don't know yeah and she goes well you know when you get hot and i go all right um anybody throw something at me i'm gone i walk right out the door and leave my key right there i'm not putting up with that yeah. why if you throw something i can throw something I can pick something a lot bigger than you can pick up. I can throw a lot harder than you can throw it. You want to open that door with me? And she goes, no, I go, when you accept violence or getting shoved or pushed, okay, then I can be violent. Well, you've opened a door that is to me unacceptable. I don't put hands on the person I'm with. The person I'm with doesn't put hands on me because once we open that door, you, it's, you know, so while we're crapping in your bed and all the stuff we're seeing in this trial, it's kind of funny. It's like, once you open that door of domestic violence, where, how do you shut it again? How do you close? What's normal now when, when exactly. I can smack you and she can smack me. And, oh, she got really mad and she would rage and hit. And I'm like, Whoa, that's a line yeah. that is to me uncrossable that I don't cross. So I'm also sitting there watching this going, man, I'm so lucky. I, I've never been in anything like that. Don't, yeah. don't ever intend to, man. You get yeah. appreciative of the life you lead now. Absolutely. Yeah. I got to talk about him. Vincent Kennedy McMahon. How was it to meet him for the first time? And I know you got numerous guys in or numerous people in your headphones throughout Monday Night Raw, but yes. how can you concentrate? And then obviously the first question, how was it to meet, you know, Vincent, Vince McMahon for the first time? I had so much to deal with that first week. I had very little notice and, and, and I was just like, boom, I'm kind of thrust into it. And, and, I don't think I said anything to him until the end of the show. Like, like, you know, they had the brush me on. He didn't like single me out or anything. We had the brush me and I finished and, and he's in the hallway. And he says, come here. And I go over to him and he goes, uh, very good. Very good for show. Um, I need you to do this, this, and that stay away from this. And we'll work on that. That was it. It was okay. Yeah. Now work around this thing. Okay. It's cool. a business. <laughs> so many things he says, and people have this idea of, of Vince that I don't, I don't know if it's accurate or not, but are specific to how the WWE handles certain things. And so you sit there and you go, Oh, why is it? You go, okay. All right. All right. Say this, not that. Okay. All right. Mm -hmm. My job is to say what you want, man. So the idea that that it's the way the WWE does things specifically is very much a part of the instruction I get from Vince McMahon. It's very like this instead of this, or this, tweak this a little bit, you know, wait a little bit longer. And, you know, concepts like, you know, be behind the audience as, as, a, as a play by play guy. Yep. That's not, that's something that's very, very, all right, so so here's a, a good example is there was a match, you know, where someone was bailing on their tag team partner. They were walking out, all right? Boom, they're getting beat up, and the guy was like, forget this, and walked out. Vin, uh, you know, Mr. Man told me, he goes, stay behind the audience, meaning somebody's walking. Don't go, oh, my God, they're leaving the tag team partner. Let them, let the audience figure that out before you come in and add to it. Yep. That's very dramatic, right? It's very thematic. It's very, no, let the audience. Now, that's not combat sports, no. right? Where I'm from, like, normally you wouldn't let the audience figure out. You, you go, I was going for a heel hook. Yep. You don't let a guy finish a heel hook and then go, 
oh my God, it got submitted. What you know what I mean? You're ahead of the audience. Yeah. But what we're doing is is dramatic. It's tension filled. It's you know what I mean. So exactly a little bit behind, not ahead like you would in sports broadcasting. So yeah. that's specific to the WWE, right? That's yeah. not a broadcast. That's a WWE no. thing. And you have to learn that. And when I talk about learning, that's part of what I mean, and that's part of what um, you know Vince's instruction is about. Is and I go, oh yeah, yeah, because. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I'm used to a sport where you want to be ahead. Oh, uh, looks exactly. like they're setting up a dime package, you know, da 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 da. They need 20 yards. All right, a broadcaster's gonna be ahead of the action, they're gonna be ahead of what's happening in the WB, be behind what's happening so the audience can experience it first. And that was one of those lessons like, oh, yeah, oh, all right, I, I yeah. see how that's different than where I'm from. So, yeah. learning all that stuff has been the education, yeah. Former uh, WWE writer Chris Dunn is here. Hey, nice Jimmy. to meet you, Welcome Chris. How you doing, man? You too. Such a big fan of your work. I appreciate that. Thank you very much, man. Yeah, and I also hear you're one of the nicest guys behind the scenes. That it's hey, man. I used to get punched in the face for money. <laughs> so things, it's why like every like get stressed out about stuff or whatever. I'm like, dude, you know what my stressful day is? <laughs> like I got beat up by five guys in a row, man. This is you know. Yeah, Man. at least you got money for it. So it's, it's true. At least I yeah. got at least I got punched for very little money. It's true, man. It's true. I know I'm late to the party, but hopefully, like Nick, if you ask this question, let me know. But uh, and this is you know obviously a very hot topic as always. What's your favorite Michael Hayes outfit? Oh my god, the gold, gold. <laughs> when he wears like bright gold, I'm like that's. <laughs> That's so Freebird, man. It's so Freebird Hayes to come in, in like a bright gold when he looks like Elvis. That's probably my favorite. That's my favorite Freebird. I think mine is, uh, he has, uh, I think it's turquoise, uh, yeah. where he has his, a Connor's Cure uh, sticker that he forgot to take off. And he took it at dry clean. So now it's dry cleaned into the like mark itself. <laughs> Freebird, you always know where Freebird is at any time. You know exactly where he is at all times. The dude, like, A, he, like, glows. And, B, he's always going to let you know what his opinion is about anything. Sure. Always going to know where he is. Uh, does, he have a, does he have a nickname for you? For me? No. So far, I'm just Jimmy. Oh, it's man. been working out so far. I'm sure it's coming. Yeah, oh, no, it's coming. It's coming for sure. <laughs> yeah, I love – I love. Uh, I, I was talking to him before the last show, man. We were at the bar hanging out, and – the guy's a wealth of knowledge and also i was a big fan of his when i was a kid so like hearing about the era in which i was a huge fan and how those people were and how everything worked i'm amazed that guy's alive to be honest yeah, it's it's <laughs> facts on all those uh yeah it's uh he um he's we talked i think we talked about it like recently again like one of the things that makes him so brilliant is a lot of people just kind of look at it like these are the beats of a match and these are the moves of a match. He always kind of looks at it through like a story. And like, if you're, if you're in a tough segment with him where it's like a 15 minute segment and the person physically like, isn't going to put on the best 15 minute match. How do you get 15 good television minutes out of it? He'll figure it out. Yeah. And he can get, he can get a good story out of four minutes. Yeah. I mean, that's, yeah. That's, you know, so many, you know, as you know, I've been working with you, it's like the, the beginning matches tend to be longer. So that squeezes out and then you'll want big main events. And so a lot of the middle matches, they go, Hey, look, this might get squeezed a little bit. 
Hayes can like, all right, if you've got four minutes, here's how we get what we need out of four minutes. And no. that's, that's a talent that I hats off to him and everybody who does that, man. It's amazing. That was smart. Absolutely incredible. I got to go gentlemen. Really appreciate you, Nick. Chris, yeah, I know we you. just got a second, but it's very nice meeting you. And uh, you guys need me again. Just let me know. All right. Sounds Pleasure. good, Jimmy. Take it appreciate easy. You guys. Thank you. Thank you for listening to another edition of the Universal Wrestling Podcast. Check us out on the web at uwpod.com. You've got mail. Or send us an email. We really don't know what we're dealing with here, man. Info at uwpod.com. Universal Wrestling Podcast. Nobody does it better.